Hi, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in uh, Texas on Saturday, December the 30th. Welcome to our commentary. Just a quick thing, couple of things that I saw here on the news uh, before we started. Uh, there is a city on the border, Eagle Pass, Texas. It's right on the border uh, with Mexico. On the other side of, of, the, of the border is a Mexican city called Piedras Negras. It's one of the the many places on the U.S.-Mexico or U.S.-Texas border uh, or the Mexico-Texas border where you have these little towns. They're, they're almost like twin cities with the Mexican with a Mexican city. And over the years, it has worked extremely well until right now because of all the chaos on the border. But anyway, this town is reporting that they are losing $21,000 a day having to deal with the migrant crisis because not only are they doing it in their own town, but they have to offer help to some of the other towns. So again, this is what we're talking about. And that's our lead story uh, for uh, for today. And that is that uh, I have a post about this coming out on on Sunday. And, and that has to do with the fact that President Biden, his delegation, I should say, went down to Mexico to visit with President Lopez Obrador to talk about this border crisis, which is completely out of control. And you would have expected that these two, Secretary Blinken and Secretary Mallorca, you would have expected that these two would at least come back with some kind of an arrangement that would help both countries. Well, not really, not really. It was uh, very much of a disappointment of a meeting Uh, Mexico is insisting that we do something about countries like Cuba and Nicaragua and Venezuela, which is where they say most of the, the people are coming from. Now, I don't deny that many people are coming from those three countries, but they're also coming from a lot of other places. But more important than that, they're using Mexico as a way of getting through to the United States. And I have spoken to many friends in Mexico who are not happy about that because they understand the risk Uh, that that it runs or the risk that Mexico runs when you have all these people from lots of different countries marching through your your territory. So apparently nothing got done. Nothing got done in this uh, in this trip. Uh, you know, we are not going to go back to remain in Mexico, which was a very successful policy. So we're not going to do anything. And there's a very good editorial in the Dallas Morning News calling on President Biden to basically stop being on vacation and get to work, because this is a major crisis that we have on the border. This is not just one of these temporary things that we've had over years on the border. No, this is a major crisis. Uh, the numbers of people who are coming into the United States is insane. And they're coming in on the basis of a meeting with a judge. We don't really know who these people are. Uh, they come in, they show up at the border, and they get a little piece of paper that says, you got to see a judge sometime in the future who's going to take a look at your asylum case. Well, that's insane, especially when you have that many people, that many people co coming in. So I guess, you know, hopefully things will change. But the Biden administration didn't get anything done when they sat down with uh, the, the president of Mexico. The president of Mexico, Mexico and the Biden administration seem to have different agendas or different objectives, I should say, when it comes to this crisis. And we're going to have to get on the same page. And I guess the only way you do that is by somehow getting Mexico to play and to show a little bit more uh, of a willingness to do something about a crisis that frankly affects both countries. This is the part that I don't get. This is not just a part. This is not just a problem uh, 
uh, for the United States. This is a problem, frankly, for both countries who are, you know, having to deal with uh, with this crisis. So I, I don't know if they're going to have another meeting, but I would suggest to President Biden to pick up the phone. And uh, when he gets back from his latest uh, vacation, of course, uh, he can call from Air Force One and pick up the phone and, and call the president of Mexico and say, you got to do more than you're doing. You got to do more. And maybe show a little, you know, maybe tell the president of Mexico that there will be consequences if he doesn't do more. You know, there are things we can do. There are things we can do to make our point. We could put a tax, for example, on these remittances going to Mexico every year. It's up. It's over $50 billion dollars going to Mexico every year, $50 billion. That's about $4 million a month that is going tax-free. And these are dollars that are going in for free into the Central Bank of Mexico. And you know Mexico doesn't have to do anything to get these dollars. I mean, if, if you're selling oil or if you're selling agricultural products or if you're you know, selling uh, automobile components or something, something that Mexico does, well, you got to set that up. You got to have a plant. You got to pay people. No, these remittances are basically money going free into the central bank of Mexico. It's just a cash deposit that they're getting every single month. Well, maybe we should do something about that free deposit. And maybe we should tell Mexico we're going to put a tax on those uh, remittances so that we can pay some of these expenses on the border, like what I just mentioned about Eagle Pass, a, a very little town on the on the texas mexico border we can also put some economic sanctions on on mexico if they don't play i mean there are options that we have we can't I mean, this idea that we just come back with nothing and that we don't emphasize uh to mexico that there are options that we have and we mean to use them is uh is you know apparently we don't do that anymore but we should you know, President Trump was able to sit down with the president of Mexico early in his administration and work out this deal that they would remain in Mexico. That deal turned out to be pretty good for Mexico, actually, and for the United States, because it ended the caravans. I mean, you still have people, obviously, trying to come in. That's never going to stop. But what you're trying to prevent is this tsunami of people showing up at the border asking for asylum and coming in. And once they're in, you have no way of knowing whether they're even going to show up for the court case. In fact, many of them don't even show up. They just disappear. They mingle with the population. And how are you going to find them? So it's it's a real problem. And like the Dallas Morning News says, the president needs to stop being on vacation and he better get to work uh, because this is a serious crisis that we have on the border. This is not some small potatoes thing. This is a big one. This is a big one. And he's got to show some some willingness to tackle this uh, this problem. I mean, politically speaking, it's, it's, it's become a disaster for the president, even in his own party, the mayor of New York, the mayor of Chicago, the governor of Arizona, his own people are screaming to do something about this. But he apparently, well, he's on vacation. He's on vacation uh, this week. A couple of other uh, posts or articles that I have over at the American Thinker. I have one about the state of Maine. And where I say that Maine rhymes with insane. What's happening up in Maine, it's insane. Where you have one unelected secretary of state saying, I'm not, I'm going to take Trump off the ballot. 
I mean, this is crazy. That lady, she doesn't have the authority to do that. Well, apparently she thought she did because she did it. Now, to, you know, the good news is that, is that elected Democrats in Maine are saying, hey, this is crazy. You cannot do this. You cannot do this. Uh, this is not a good idea. In fact, I thought it was very interesting. There was a Democrat who said, look, you know, you cannot accuse him of insubordination without a trial, without him being formally convicted of it. That makes a lot of sense because that is that is the truth. So when you take Colorado and you take Maine, now I think Colorado is the one that will end up going to the courts, the one in Maine, uh, I guess we'll eventually get there. But this is really crazy what the Democrats are doing. And they're not helping themselves when they do these things. I mean, this is a big boost for President Trump because it confirms what he's been saying, that they're weaponizing justice to go after him. And, you know, the Democrats keep making his case by doing uh, by doing uh, stuff like that. Speaking of President Trump, I have a post also at the American Thinker where I talk about what I think is the biggest story of 2023. And that is the comeback of President Trump. President Trump, in a year's time, has gone from being a likely candidate to now looking more and more like the next or the likely next president of the United States. And the comeback, I think, is due on two reasons, for two reasons. The first one is this kind of stuff that we're seeing in Maine and Colorado, which a lot of Americans are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, time out. Don't destroy the country to destroy Trump. Don't do that. Don't go that far. And I think this is starting to backfire on Democrats uh, across the country or you know, because they've gone too far with it. They've gone crazy with it, as we're seeing in Maine and in Colorado. The other factor, of course, is the comparison factor, that there's no question that Americans remember that they were living better when Trump was president and things like the border and the energy policy were much better for the typical American. You didn't have this chaos on the border when Trump was president. You didn't have this chaos in the energy field uh, when, when, when Trump was president because, you know, there was a policy of producing as much oil as possible. And with the border, at least there was a policy to contain uh, the numbers of people coming in. So those are the two factors. I think people are comparing the presidencies. And I do think a lot of Americans are getting worried about this weaponization of justice when they're just targeting one man. And I think a lot of Americans are uncomfortable with that application of justice uh, where one man is targeted rather than, you know, looking for the crime and then uh, investigating the, the situation. So that's why I think he's back. And right now you would have to say a year from, you know, we're what, 11 months from the election? I Almost 12 months, I guess, or 10 months, really. Uh, you have to say that it's very likely that he's going to be the next uh president uh, of the United States. There's another factor, too. I heard an analysis, and we're going to get into more of this over the next week or so, but I heard an analysis of the influence or the impact that somebody like, for example, Robert Kennedy could have on this election. If he gets around 15% of the vote, that's going to kill the Democrats in many, many states. Uh, and then you have others, too. On the ballot, the Green Party could get 1% or 2%. Well, that's going to come off Biden. That's not going to affect uh, Trump. So We'll get into that in more detail later, but there's no question that as of right now, 10 months into the future, Donald Trump looks like the likely next president. A year ago, that was not the case. Today, that is uh, that is the case. Well, let me close with uh, a happy birthday. Happy number 88. We love, 
when people go over 80, we love to celebrate them here in our in our podcast, in our video cast. Well, this is Sandy Koufax, who turns 88 today. Sandy Koufax, of course, the great left-hander with the Dodgers many, many years ago. Probably the greatest left-hander of his generation, with all due respect to Randy Johnson and some of the others. But the man was unbelievable. The numbers that he put together were just unbelievable. Now, he had to leave early at age 32 because of physical problems. But he put together an amazing career. And I caught the tail end of it. Uh, and he was just uh, absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. So we say happy number 88 to Sandy Koufax, who was born on this day in Brooklyn, New York. Man, a kid from Brooklyn playing for the Dodgers. That's a dream come true. That's all I can tell you. Have a great day, everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas. <laughs>